Welcome to the Sajcast. I'm Mark Austin. I'm Stacey Roberts. And we, we are, are the Sons, Sons of Joy. Joy. You're listening to Sajcast number 11. Our 11th ever Sajcast and our first early morning recording session. Yes, this is coming, well, recorded to you live because we don't know any other way to do that. That's right. From Studio Z at an early, early hour. In fact, this is the normally the hour of our book writing. That's right. But we figured we'd get the Sajcast in because... I'm leaving town tomorrow for a week, and I can't really guarantee that I'll have time at the end of the day. Yes. Or the energy. That's right. Well, we, don't, we don't normally record on a Friday anyway. Well, that presupposes I have energy now, but uh, <laughs> we are fully caffeinated. We, we shall see. Hang on to your socks, listeners. Today's Sajcast is sponsored by Caller ID. Yes, the makers of Them Again, How'd She Get My Number, and Who Do I Know in Area Code 816. Um... The point of which is, is that caller ID now is everywhere. If you have a smartphone, it's you cannot, yeah, yeah, you can't not have it. You don't even think about it. I don't think most people think they have caller ID. If you ask, I bet if you went on the street, ask people, does your phone have caller ID? Your mobile phone. They'd be like, oh, I don't think so. What That's is that? Right. <laughs> right. Well, and really, the only time you know that you have caller ID is when it doesn't work. When a call comes through that says unknown. Yes. Then you're like, what's wrong with this thing? This feature I did not know I had. Appears to not be working well. And, and so I think what we, what we're talking about here when we say caller ID is caller ID from the 80s, which, which at the time was an option and an add-on, which, yeah, no home, home phone calls. Home ID. phone calls. And, and for people listening to this Sajcast in the year 2026, uh, once upon a time, phone lines would actually run into your house and you could plug a phone into it and that's how you did communication. Much like Alexander Graham Bell. That's right. And so they're going to, they're probably going to look at landlines along the same, uh, in the same, uh, venue as tin can with string. But, but, you know, if nothing else, we can uh, here at the Sajcast talk about the ancient tools from long ago and, and caller ID back then was an option. It required special equipment. I was and gonna say, it wasn't, it wasn't even that it was, uh, yeah, this was a feature of the future. Yes. Then. That's right. And, and because it was, well, the point is, is that because it was optional and cost extra, our parents said, no. <laughs> well, it was, yeah, it was a double whammy because it wasn't just that, well, let's pay for that service because what's wrong with you? You don't even have a phone that could show that. Because right. we didn't. We I didn't. mean, I had a phone that went rotary, you know, you turn yeah. a little for up until my teenage years. Yeah, I mean, but well, back then when you got caller ID, you had to get a box that plugged in next to the phone that showed the number. Or a, or a really modern phone that had it on there, right. but I think those were even in the 90s. Well, but but who among the people who know my mother and your mother cannot imagine them saying, I'll know who it is when I pick up the phone and say hello. And to step back, because uh, we, we mentioned this in pre-prod, but my house, apparently, we were really just, oh, uh, I don't know, what, what's even the word? Neophytes? <laughs> but uh, the, the phone line... Minimalists. <laughs> yeah, minimalists is more polite. The phone, the phone line that we had, we had, of course, no caller ID, but we also had a party line up until like the time I was in high school. And I said, a party line? And you said, what's a party line? So I'm going to explain to the people at home what a party line was because hopefully nobody's got one of yeah, these anymore. You're going to sound like the tour guide at the Museum of Technology, oh, but yeah. go ahead. I mean, it, well, and this was even at the time, this was not common. Uh, this was common during the 50s. So a party line was when that physical cable that went to your house also went to someone else's house. And you shared, effectively, a line. It was like multiplexing for a phone line, except humans were involved. And the way that you did that was you picked up the phone and you listened. And if people were talking and you looked around the house and you knew it wasn't anyone in your house, 
It was the neighbors, or I mean, they weren't. I don't know where they were physically, but somewhere nearby, there were people on the phone that we just had to wait for them to finish. They weren't Gabby, but it happened every now and then. You'd see them. Well, Gabby, that's a, Gabby people wouldn't sign up for this, obviously. Right, but there's another concept that I think listeners even now are unfamiliar with. There was a time when you needed to call someone where you had to wait for a phone or a line to be available. Yeah, we were one step off of, you know, the uh, the Andy Griffith show where we had to ask Mabel to connect us to, you know, wherever we wanted to call. Hollywood so. 4531. Yes, please. One moment. <laughs> right. So, yeah, anyway, I think there's a couple spots in the story, in our stories today, where, where caller ID will, will come into play. Well, and I think the listeners of the Sajcast, the loyal listeners who have listened to every episode, and if you're not one of those, you really should go and do that now. They'll be aware that <laughs> go on, take ten hours. We'll wait. We'll wait. <laughs> it's morning. We've got all day. But um, listeners of the Sodgecast will realize that our sponsors again are picked as part of a strategy, and caller ID may just show up again before we're done. I should have looked at a phone bill to see if because I'm sure it's still itemized somewhere on everyone's yes. phone bill, but I'm not sure what it costs anymore. But well, assuming it must you can have been really expensive, you can man. still buy a landline in 2012 <laughs> America. Yes, and, I have one. And caller ID is still an option that you can pay for. Yeah, no, sadly I have a landline because the alarm system at Studio Z requires it. So mm-hmm. I, I don't have any phones plugged into it in a rather twisted irony. But there you go. Yeah. So, on to current events and updates. Here it is at the, well... Pre-dawn, from the looks of it, still outside Studio Z is, is darkened windows, um, and this is normally the time of day where we have been gathering to progress on our on our novel, Saving Emily. And this, I think, just as project update goes, that's been working. Yes, we have been making progress. We are down to the granular bit of storytelling in which we are saying. Okay, and then our character will go here and do this. Yeah, I mean, originally it was an outline, which, which of course, we've had for a very long time. Right. But then it was like, well, how far do we take this outline? And so I think we've taken that outline as far as you can take it without actually just putting prose in. Right, and we're just, you know, we're kind of tightening the focus on the lens here to say that, okay, today uh, our hero is going to the donut shop. You right. know, And that's not something that belongs in the grand outline. But right, right, it's the stage that's right before... You actually put pen to paper and start crafting the the narrative. Yeah, I mean, well, when you're when you're working on the outline, you don't care that it was a cranberry muffin or a peanut butter muffin. But at this level, we do because I mean, that's it's every bit of detail short, like I said, short of the actual writing. So right. it's, that's that's how we've been approaching it. It's a new approach for us. Yes, we've never tried it at this level of detail before. Right, but it makes it you know knowing that the next step is it's like this: the wall's been primed. The edges have been taped up, and it is all down to the brush and whatever color it is we're slapping on. So I think that this represents forward progress, and it gives us a great deal of optimism about the completion of the book, which we are all breathlessly awaiting. We we, we vow that we will be done with it this year. That's our our vow to you. This calendar year, not fiscal. (laughs) What's the Saj fiscal year run? I'm not sure we should be talking about the Saj fiscal year. It's a sad, sad tale of woe. So, yes, I don't know whether the fiscal year uh, counts in this particular case, but the vow is important. Our first ever Sajcast vow to our listeners that we will get this book done so that you can read it and see what all the fuss was about. Yes, because apparently we've stopped making Sajcast predictions because our first one 
I'm not going to tell you what it is or where it was. You don't have to go listen to them all. Well, and, 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 and so, first of all, if you're the type of listener who delights in us being wrong, I mean, cataclysmically wrong, well, that's... That, <laughs> Welcome to the social. <laughs> well, yes, I mean, that that's why the, these are up on iTunes, and we haven't taken the one down in which we were catastrophically wrong, or I was. We could have edited it, but we didn't. But we didn't, because we're all about honesty, which is a prior sponsor of the Sajcast, and I won't tell you which one of those it was either, because, well, I'm like that. So, anyway... The other current event, uh, one previous Sajcast, I wouldn't say vow, but predilection was we weren't going to talk about politics in the dregs of this presidential year. But um, yesterday, I actually met with a public official. Uh, he's the mayor of a small town nearby, and, and we won't get into names. But think about this. This is a guy who worked his career in whatever it was that he did, retired from that, and ran for mayor, and, you know, who knows why he does this, because maybe he's not good at woodworking, he doesn't like to travel, or his wife said, if you don't get out of the house now that you're here all the time, I'm going to have to hit you in the head with some solid object and tell everybody you fell down. So, well, this is not uncommon, especially in the Midwest, in right. these small, kind of white bread towns, you know, not not small towns in the dot on the map, but just, you know, smaller in a group of other towns, and... Right. I imagine he was a member of the Elks or the Lions, you know, yeah. these kind of fellows. Yeah, and actually I didn't look him up uh, to get his biography. But, but and, and these are not small towns with a gas station and, and, a, right. and a convenience store. I mean, these are, these are significant municipalities. They have many departments, fire department, police, and public works. And They're just small with respect to the metropolises. Right. I mean, yeah. they, are, they are living in the shadow of Cincinnati. And so by comparison to what's nearby, sure, they're small. But... Um, it's still a going concern. It, it requires competent administration, and this mayor was that. He uh, brought with him his decades of experience in whatever it was that he did. He had clear vision of uh, essentially this. His goal in talking to me, because this was an IT-related discussion, was we need to solve this problem now so that it doesn't become a bigger problem for future administrations. It doesn't become a burden on the citizenry. And that it be done right one time and last for as long as it's possible. And I thought that he should resign as mayor and run for Congress because <laughs> that's the kind of thing that we want Congress. That's the mindset that we want Congress to be thinking about. And um, Well, it's the mindset of an administrator rather than a politician. Right, because he wasn't saying, I want to fix this problem so that I can run on it for re-election. Yes. He wanted it done so it was done right for the good of the town. And the good of the town, the good of the state, the good of the nation is really pretty far down on our current federal elected officials' uh, hierarchy of needs, shall we say. And so uh, it was good to meet an actual guy who ran for office and won and is now set about the the sausage-making part of the job that nobody really is supposed to see. And he's doing it in a way that is pretty straightforward, reasonable, and uh, has a pretty good chance of success. Um and, and as a almost a side note, he wanted to know how I got where I was. Because being a refugee of some other profession who is now doing this, he had heard that IT was not my chosen profession. And so I told him that I had a master's degree in history, and he thought that was just deliciously weird. And he said, well, so how does that affect your, your day? I mean, if you're an IT guy with a with a background in history, how does that manifest? I was just thinking, I don't I don't know that anybody our age... Um, set out to be in the IT because no, no. it didn't exist. <laughs> well, that's true. But I can tell you that, that once IT started to be 
a profession where yes. unskilled barbarians could learn learn a skill in a short amount of time and thereby get paid a great deal of money. You know, it's like uh, people who who a hundred years ago were were wildcatting for oil. Uh, it's it was the gold rush of the nineties with yes, IT, yes, yes. and so people flocked to it. And and if you've ever seen a commercial on TV for for schools like ITT Tech and places like that, they're basically telling you this: Come here for six months, we'll teach you uh, IT, and then you'll be going out making six figures of money working in an air conditioned environment all the live long day. And we know that not to be true. So the mayor's curiosity was, how'd you end up in IT? Because it is, it is very rarely a story of, ever since I was a small boy, I wanted to work on computers. Right. Um, and so uh, this was a referral from somebody in my CEO roundtable, and hopefully they'll be fodder for future Sajcast. But my tagline to the roundtable is, I'm not, I w- I'm not cut out to be in business, or IT for that matter. I, I was supposed to teach history somewhere. And so the mayor of this town was intrigued by that, and he wanted to know, how that manifested itself. And I said, well, what it means is that on my drive in here, I'm not thinking about bits and bytes and hard drives and gigabytes. I was listening to the History of Rome podcast, which we've referred to in earlier Sajcasts, and I won't tell you which one. Um, and so I was listening to the episode about the Flavian emperors of Rome. And he said, ah, you're a weird dude. <laughs> but I don't think that detracted from my ability to get the city's business. And so that is good news for those of you who are preoccupied with the fiscal year. Um, but it's nice to be walking around with something other than being defined completely by your job. It is good. I mean, having never really been that person, it's, it didn't even occur to me. to. to but yeah, there are certainly people. And I think there are, there are other professions that lend themselves much more to that, right? I mean, if you're a doctor... At least I expect doctors to be thinking medically throughout the day. One would hope. <laughs> Although they probably, you know, don't care. They they go home and listen to IT, you know, podcasts yeah, right. or something. Well, I think what we're trying to avoid and what we are trying to avoid and what we recommend our children do and every listener of this Sajcast throughout the land is don't be typecast by your profession. Don't be stereotyped. Don't be put in a box. If you're an accountant by day... Um, there's no harm in letting people know that you play the banjo by night with your... Yeah, be who you are. Right. Be that banjo-playing accountant. And be prepared for people to say, with all sincerity, you're a weird dude, aren't you? (laughs) Yes. Or you're a weird lady. That's right. If that's more appropriate. Exactly. There was one um, one other event that happened to me yesterday. So the morning was the meeting with the mayor... And at nighttime, there was parent-teacher conferences at my children's high school. Both my kids are in high school now. I have a freshman and a junior. And I thought my youngest may have been struggling at the outset of the her first experience in high school. And there were some tense moments of, how can you still be doing homework? It's midnight. And so I wanted to go to the parent-teacher conferences just to make sure that things were okay. Well, my youngest daughter, Erin, pulled a little trick on me because when I got there, her grades were almost entirely straight A's, and there was one B. Uh, when your kids are doing well in school, and mine are, you uh, going to parent-teacher conferences is more of a victory lap than anything else. Um, I took my, my ex-wife, went, the mother of the children, and I took my girlfriend, Laura, who helps them most often with their homework because she knows things about geometry and angles and mathematics <laughs> that I... Well, I have no patience for anymore. And if you've listened to the Sajcast up until this point, you realize that science is not my thing. So um, so I'm going into these parent-teacher meetings like some kind of Mormon prince because they're like, you brought two women with you. Yes, try not to focus on that. 
you know. And of course, I always look forward to meeting the history teachers for reasons previously explained. And in this particular case, Aaron's B plus was in history. Oh dear. And I sharpened my fangs and I was like, oh, let's just go in there and see what this hack knows about the Flavian emperors of Rome and we'll just see who needs a B, right? But of course, they put their grades in online and like anybody else who's way too busy doing what they really have to get done during the day, they put the grades in an hour before all the parents showed up. So I get in to meet with Aaron's amateur historian teacher. Um, and I said, uh, all right, buddy, let's talk about this B. He's like, Oh, I put grades in today. It's actually a 97. Ah. I put hers in last because I figured there's no way you would show up. <laughs> yeah. And, and be some sort of history weirdo and want to challenge me to a, to oh, a. I meant that you wouldn't show up because your kid's getting good grades. Why would you be here? Yes. And that was a question we got asked fairly often because we were waiting in very long lines. It was like being in an amusement park. I was going to say, were you, I was wondering if you were, um, sort of a, uh, an asset or a liability to the parent. The parents' night, isn't that what they call it? Or yeah, it's that's what it is. Because there's there's two ways that could run, which is one is that oh my god, did you see that long line out there? Why are why are you in here wasting my time? True. Or could you hand me the box of tissues? I need a few minutes to compose myself. Just sit there because your kid is good, and we can talk about that. But I just need to get the mascara off my cheeks you know? because <laughs> I just spent 15 minutes with the mother of my biggest troublemaker, and I'm a bit emotionally wrung out right now. So, um, but you know, that didn't happen a lot of, I mean, and let's be clear, my kids know how well they're doing and they may be the only ones before the, all the paperwork is in. And so part of the reason they wanted me to go was like, uh, well, our teachers are probably going to say nice things about us and we want to hear what they say. <laughs> and so I said, why don't you come with me? They're like, oh no, we're not going to do that. So, you know, while I'm at these meetings, I'm getting texts from my, from Aaron saying, uh, well, what are they saying about me? I'm like, oh, come on. They even pulled your B up to an A, and so, of course, they're saying nice things about you, you know. But it was funny because we'd go into these meetings, and, and you know, the two recurring themes with all the teachers was, you brought a lot of extra women with you, and your kid's doing fine. Why are you wasting our time with all this? Um, but it, but it, the, the point to be made here is anyone listening who thinks that I am, I have a daily schedule about how to... uh improve and escalate my children's education i do not and and i'm going to go out on a limb and say their mother does not either my kids get themselves up every single day they get they get cleaned up in their fashion they get dressed they get themselves to school they do their work they come home they do their homework and unless it's some arcane bit of math that they don't quite understand or the history of the babylonian empire which is a minor empire in world history they don't really need our help and they get these things done without our involvement and and so my job and i'm blessed for this this is the luckiest thing that's ever happened to me i think in my life is that i don't have to dig in and sit through hours and hours of grinding homework because my kids just get this taken care of and that's what they do and they bring home straight a's and i say oh straight a's well good <laughs> because i'm not one of those people who's involved all right you need to bring this b up to an a that wasn't even my point in going i just happened to notice it was there i noticed that it was in history and i said oh boy it's on <laughs> but but that's not about her that's about me and so um well in many ways then you are like the mayor of that little town you know you have a competent staff obviously running and yes. so you're just trying to administer Right. You know, it's not that we have a major deficit that we have to fix. We're just trying to make sure that the roads stay paved and the lights keep turning yellow and red at the right times and Yeah, and the and the streets get plowed and all of that kind of thing and and so it is it is kind of a victory lap, but but it's important 
to realize if you have children and they are reasonably self-sustaining and all you really do is keep the lights on and the, and the water running, to be aware that you're not going to these things to take credit for this. It's important to avoid the temptation to say, of course my children are great. I have made them this way and I make sure that this is what they do and it's all about me. Uh, my point is, in this case, it's all about them. They're doing the hard work every day, all day long, and my involvement is only what they ask of me and they don't ask a lot. And so good job, kids, on the straight A's. Keep them coming because that way we won't have to have a Saj uh, college fund <laughs> to pay for their education. Okay, so that theme, that new theme, which you if you've only been listening for a while, you're like, hey, that theme's been there all along. No, it hasn't. Go back and listen to them all. We just started this last week. That's right. That theme means it's time for Tales from Saj History, 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 or something. I don't remember. i got to go listen to what I did last week to see if We're going right. to have to improve this software right? to get some kind of, we need some kind of reverb on that. Um, oh, I bet I bet it's in there if I look. Yes, but if only we had started this Sajcast by talking about some sort of arcane ancient technology that is now pervasive everywhere, and somehow that might tie in to what we're about to talk about. Well, yes, and then the other part of this arcane software that we're using, uh, though it's not really that arcane, is we're going to have to find the, uh, well, what they say in the industry is the button. <laughs> because this is the first Sajcast where we're going to have to use a bad word. Oh. Now, we will protect our listeners from it with the use of the button. But just so you know, it, there is a bad word. That's right. It's kind of the point of the story. So it would be hard to dance around it. Indeed. So here's what happened. Uh, and I was involved in, in these events. And so uh, I, <laughs> here's what I know. You were sick with some sort of plague. Well, yeah. So last night I was trying to remember kind of exactly when this fell. It was senior year, definitely. Um, and I was 17 and nearly 18 is my recollection. I had been walking around not feeling well, which was not well like me. I come from pretty sturdy stock. So, yeah, a couple of weeks of walking around just feeling poorly, as they would say in olden times. And a trip to the doctor, which I believe happened on the very day of this story, which would make sense, revealed that I had walking pneumonia. And you, you got to go to the doctor. Being, That's yeah. awesome. Well, <laughs> that never well. happened for me, but go on. <laughs> Well, but, you know, being 17 and, and having the pneumonia, you know, you're, you're young, strong, you can, you can walk around with it, so you can get the walking pneumonia if you, if you try hard enough. Yeah, I had been home that day, uh, having gotten probably a shot in the tuchus, if I recall, to, uh, you know, to get you back on course or whatever, and then there was meds and all that. So, this was one of the few days that I was actually, well, the only day that I was actually, like, home, and I don't think I missed a full day. No, you actually had perfect attendance. I had perfect attendance. Through all of elementary school, all of middle school, and up until the events of senior year, all the way through high school. And in fact, the the one day that I, and this was in much to my mother's anger, the, that my, my, my perfect attendance was blown because I went to something that was scheduled, but it was scheduled in like third period or what, whenever they took attendance. Ah. And so according to the school, I was absent that day, and that just flipped her out because I, I wasn't. I was there after that and all that. But it was anyway. a technicality. Oh yeah. So yeah, it wasn't, there weren't a lot of days that I missed. I, w I was the guy where, you know, if the teacher were to say something and people were like, oh, I don't remember that, they would look at me because, well, Gosson remembers. <laughs> and if I'm like, oh, I don't remember that, then maybe it didn't happen. Of course, my memory was better in those days. Well, that's true. And you had, you had legendary credibility because you were there every single yeah. day. 
I, I may not have been good at anything, but I sure showed up a lot. Well, and they looked at you. I mean, the teacher would come back from having been out himself because the teachers certainly didn't have perfect Oh, yes, exactly. And say, uh, Gossip, how was everything? <laughs> yeah, what did everything go according to my plan? Which you know because you're here every day. Yeah, so anyway, I'm, I'm stuck home, and this is, and this is the part of the story that, that you remember because we had a number of friends, um, which I think we, we probably want to come up with, uh, our legal team isn't here, but we need to come up with, a. A shorthand list of, of the people. I mean, Moneybags was one of them. Yes. Um, he was in he was in the circle, but there were several other people, and I think this is the point that you were making that were calling me to see how I was. Well, now in light of your perfect attendance, I think they were calling also to go. So, perfect attendance is over now. We're <laughs> going to take perfect out of attendance. <laughs> it was a bit of for those of us who, when we were sick, we stayed home. This was a kind of a petty victory. To see you topple from a great height. Yes. Indeed. So you're not. We noticed you're not in school today. In fact, a lot of people noticed it was a big <laughs> happening in our school. Uh, if there was Facebook, it would have been all up on there. Right. I mean, I think people came to school, saw that you were not there, and said, "Is school closed today? <laughs> What's I mean, going on? Is it is there some sort of bank holiday we weren't aware of? Because if Gossip's not here, I think we should shut this whole thing down. <laughs> and so, uh, yep. so I think the calls were at least you know some some uh, uh, petty. So there, victory, people who were legitimately wondering if school was actually closed that day. And, you know, but but there was a barrage of phone calls. And in case we weren't clear, you didn't know who was calling. Yeah, I didn't have the caller ID, and so I'm just answering these. And I remember one of the people that w- that called, and, and well, this person is, is very, very prime for, for future Sodcast fun. I will refer to him as the pirate, and I assume you'll know who I mean. Oh, I know who the pirate is. Yeah, and so the pirate was uh, a frequent phone caller in his own right. Uh, I mean, just loved to call people on the and phone. And this is well, and this is a guy who got, a, in retrospect, benefited from no caller ID. Yes, <laughs> because if you knew, it was a boon to if him. you knew he was calling, you would likely not answer. And so this is a guy who uh, we call him. I guess part of his piratical nature is that he was plundering the, the phone lines <laughs> because we didn't have caller ID and there was we had no blockade. The British Navy was nowhere to be found when he came a-calling into port for rum and parrots. Yeah, he was also the guy who, um, quirky, quirky fellow. In the way of pirates. In the way of pirates, yeah. I mean, you would answer the phone and there would be music playing. Because he and had you just, would know it's the pirate. It's the pirate. And he, you know, because he had discovered a song he really liked or was actually, you know, germane to something that had happened that day. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, he's where we derive some of our strategy in picking sponsors in that, the thread that goes through. <laughs> so at the end of the day, you know, if, if, uh, if that morning we had studied the Flavian Emperors, by nightfall he would have found a song extolling the virtues of the Flavian Emperors, and you'd pick up the phone and you'd just hear that. Being w- well brought up, we didn't just hang up on him, which I guess is the other option. Yeah. I mean, cause you could, I mean, you could sort of put the phone down on the couch and these were phones that were for the most part strung to a wall. I mean, you know, you could only get so far away from the base and this is, and, and this, though this happened very rarely, if there was a woman on the other line, a girl, if you will, ah. a teenage girl and you wanted to talk to them and express your feelings, you had to do it where mom could watch and dad could watch and the dogs would just lay in the corner and laugh. Oh, well, let's not forget that mom and dad didn't just watch. They offered suggestions and advice. <laughs> well, I well, yeah. If they did, I was so curled up in my ball that I didn't. Oh hear no! Them. See, because my mother, my mother having no filter, she would be in the background going, "Stace, who is it? 
Is it what's her name? Because my mother didn't was not good with names. Yeah. And so if I was talking to a girl named Mary, my mother would be like, "Is it uh, Molly?" Uh, uh, Margaret, and she would be shouting these names that this girl I was talking to could certainly hear, and she's like, who are all these women your mother's asking about? <laughs> and I'm like, no, seriously, she's getting the names wrong. It's she doesn't you. remember names, and that's what's going on, and of course, they didn't believe that. And, you know, of course, the follow-up to that was always, is she Jewish? Which all Jewish moms want to know, and I went to a public school that was, well, populated almost entirely by Catholics, and so the answer to that was mostly no. And so my mother was like, ah, oh, more shikses on the phone. And of course, the shiksa on the phone could hear all this. And so most of these conversations did not go well. And I wished in my head for some sort of portable phone I could carry around <laughs> and go into a room that had a lock on the door so that no one could overhear me or, more importantly, be overheard by whoever I was talking to. Yeah. And so I'm trying to think who else would have been on the list of callers that day. A bunch of scalawags, I'm sure, who were just oh, yes. who were calling to pry you out of your self-imposed solitude. I'm trying to think if there's any characters that we should note for for later storytelling. I can't think of any right now, but um, well, we had the FBI agent. I'm sure he called. Yes, I'm sure he did. And, and most people would not have realized he would become an FBI agent. Oh, yes. Yeah. So we should be clear. He was not an FBI agent at the time. At the time. No, no, no. But no. he is now, and so he's probably protected by the Patriot Act, and we can't use his real name for that reason. But, um, yeah, I, I, I guarantee you that he was one of the callers. But One, one day we'll do a, a, a whole show on curse words because I have a funny story about him and curse words. Oh, boy. But this, in fact, is a funny story about similar topics. So it is. You were receiving a barrage of calls. You were not at your best. And so you had a number of things working against you. One, a significant bacterial infection. And two, your perfect attendance record was in, in tatters. In tatters. Oh. And so the last thing you needed was a bunch of people calling you saying, oh, perfect attendance and tatters, huh? Yeah, and, and it was getting to the point where, <clears throat> and this was early afternoon, because obviously everyone was out of school, and this was the time to really start bugging me with the, the time, calling. The time when you, by rights, should have probably been napping. Yeah, and so it would be one phone call after another, and I have to say, for the most part, the the well-wishers were all dudes. And, and you know, you're, you're riding each other in the way of teenage boys that we certainly would. And so it was just... You know, what can I, how can I irritate you next? However long that takes for me to think up and then I'm calling again. And there was a series of people doing this to me. And it was just again and again with the phone calls. And it was, uh, enough already. Mm -hmm. And so at one point the phone rang and I mean, you know, I had just put it down and it was ringing as soon as I put it down and I answered and I said, fuck you. What I got back on the other end was what? To which I quickly replied, sir, because I knew quite well <laughs> that the man who never, ever once in my childhood recollection had called the house, called the house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, him. <laughs> Indeed. And so hearing your father's voice on the line with a, and he, uh, he wasn't a yeller, not in this situation anyway. I don't ever, a, yeah, I never what? recall him being a yeller. He was always, <laughs> he was always very even keeled and sometimes you even had to strain to hear him. So I don't think he, I would not expect him to yell even in this extreme circumstance. No, and uh, and so I, I said, sir? And then I just quickly started apologizing. You know, I'm sorry. And then he cut me off and said, don't be there when I get home. And he hung up. Yes, and I would say that knowing your dad like I did, that wasn't something that you would ponder in terms <laughs> of, well, what exactly did he mean? And... Was he speaking literally, or was he just using some sort of allegorical hyperbole? 
No, the only the only thought that you gave to it was how far away is he exactly, and at maximum speed, how long would it take him to arrive here? Do I have time to put my shoes on, or should I just run as fast as I can in any direction? Yes. So uh, I think that was the point at which you called me. Well, yeah, and so to back up on the story, I mean, and this is, you know, my father was born in Lowell, Massachusetts. So he liked to say things like Mac. Oh, yes. <laughs> Go pack the cat. It wasn't quite that bad, but <clears throat> there was definitely some of that in there. And, uh, you know, he grew up in Lowell, uh, which is, you know, north of the city. And he's a bit of a, you know, tough neighborhood, real tough neighborhood when he was a kid. And so his, uh, his parenting differed somewhat from the parenting that, that we employ in that, uh, it wouldn't have been the first time my head had gone through a wall or his, you know, I remember one time I locked the door to my, bedroom thinking that was clever and he punched a hole through the door so that he might unlock it so if i was gonna get a beating and i got him and i gotta say i love him dearly and i deserved almost all of them and the ones i didn't deserve there was stuff i did that he didn't know about. well see you know i wasn't I gonna those. i wasn't gonna say that but you know i think it is an essential truth of childhood that most of the beatings that landed on you you earned them oh yeah 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 and so yeah just to be clear don't be there when i get home there was a beating. I mean, it wasn't a, I'm going to come and box your ears. Yeah, I mean, with, even, uh, with strong he, language, knew. No, I mean, and even I knew that because my, you know, my father left when I was five and other than a string of, of, uh, pasty and useless stepfathers, there was nobody who was going to beat me other than my mother. And if she didn't have a wooden spoon handy, I was pretty well safe. Yeah. And, and of course she was given to sudden fits of rage. So there was no, there was no warning. It wasn't like when I get home, you're getting a beating. It was, you, you see her rummaging around in the drawer. <laughs> Uh, and because she was such a lousy cook, you Are know... Are you making pasta? Ah! <laughs> well, because she was such a lousy cook, when she was rummaging around in the in the silverware drawer with intent, you knew to flee because then the spoon was coming out. And uh, once we had gotten good at realizing that this was how that worked, she had to get good at throwing them because she couldn't catch us before we got away from her. So she would just, you know, you would... It was like an action movie. You'd, you'd hit the turn before the stairs and you'd be pelting upstairs... And a string of wooden spoons will be hitting the wall where you just were a few seconds earlier. And nobody's going to make a movie about this with, you know, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger in it. But, you know, this actually happened. But in your case, I think you were due for a beating up close. Yeah, I'm sure I was I was due for one. I, I, I don't remember what the one I had had previous. I mean, it wasn't like I got beaten on a regular basis. Oh, no. But, no. but it happened and, and uh, yeah, they were beatings. They weren't spankings. Right. It was a very real thing to be afraid of. And so when he said, don't be there when I get home... That was not, that was an, you had a file, uh, um, a scenario, uh, what, like the Pentagon has. You had a strategy in place, uh, an action plan, which was to flee. Yes, and so I called you and proceeded to flee, <laughs> which is, you gotta get me out of here. Now, I don't remember why, cause I had a car at this stage, cause we both had cars, but I don't know if it was the illness or the car had some sort of illness, but. Well, I think that there will be a future Sajcast that is gonna be sponsored by the automotive industry, which will oh, be yeah. redolent of tales of how many cars we had and what state of, of usefulness they were in and what terrible things happened to us when they broke down. But I think the bottom line was your car was non-functional or you would have used it or... Well, or where would I have gone? I still would have needed a place to hold yeah, up. Yeah, you, you needed a place to, to sojourn in exile. Uh, but, but also the car, I think, was his. I mean, it was like, you know, if you were under threat of punishment, they were going to take your car away from you too. And so... You didn't want to compound the offense by running off in the car as well. Well, yeah, and it might have been that I didn't have a full driver's license because I did have to hold off for that. I had a learner's permit for a while. Well, anyway, right. suffice it to say, was... you were on foot because you were not going to be anywhere near home, and you were like, pick me up. 
on Garfield Street or, you know, yeah, two I mean, blocks my, away. Yeah, my plan was, I, I mean, unless you can be here in three minutes, I'm not going to be at my residence. I will be, and then I would explain to which neighbor's car I'll be hiding under. Yes. <laughs> and the off chance that he could beat you here because he was, I mean, he was in North Miami at the time, so there, we reasonably had a pretty your, big window. And, right, and I mean, your father was in North Miami. Yeah. I was in Pembroke Pines, which was probably 10 or 15 minutes yeah. if the traffic was good. So it was a race between me and your dad. Well, and the other thing is, in retrospect, probably he just went back to his job and finished his day angry. I mean, I don't think he actually, I don't know, we don't know, but we I don't, don't know. think he actually yeah. left work. Yeah, I mean, that's a bit too much trouble because the boy will be there when I get home and I shall beat him. Yes. Even though I told him not to be there when I get home. <laughs> so I set out in my car, and, and again, remember, this is new territory for me, I'm like, isn't somebody just going to smack you around with a wooden spoon and everything will be fine? Oh no, you you need you need sanctuary. Well, fine. So I got in the car and I I found whatever car it was you were hiding under. It was very furtive CIA kind of skullduggery going on. Yes, if only there were more technology, I could have texted you from under the car. Yeah, <laughs> yes, I think there were there were quite a number of days where we wished for for technology that we now have and take for granted. You know, uh, portable phones to call the girls on and out of earshot of your parents. And some sort of communication device that you could use when you were on the LAM. Not to mention caller ID, so you don't make these mistakes. Ah, <laughs> uh, it all comes back around, doesn't it? So I picked you up, and I repaired you to my house, uh, where you uh, took up refugee status. Yes. The United Nations uh, did not send any kind of care package, but you were a refugee at my house for a number of days. Um, to continue the UN theme, I had to make several diplomatic overtures. To yeah. your to my mother. To your mother, because your mother, I think as in most cases, was the intermediary. Yes. And um, I remember calling her on the third day. And my let's be clear, my mother didn't care. My mother was like, she was like, oh, well, he's sleeping on the floor of your room. Okay. Uh, the, the biggest problem we had was that trying not to eat her cooking, you know. Um, but, <laughs> I'm already sick for God's but sake. But since you had pneumonia, you weren't hungry anyway, and that was good. There wasn't a lot of care and feeding going on. So I remember um, calling your mother on the third day and saying, well, your son's still here. She's like, she, and she said, yeah. I said, so how's the, how are things? What's the temperature? And she said, I think he's probably going to have to stay there for a little longer. <laughs> and so that ended our diplomatic communication. And you stayed there for another couple of days. And I had a sense that behind the scenes, your parents realized that you were 17. Yeah, and, nearly 18. And you didn't have to ever come back. And this is really just a theory of mine, because I have children who are reaching the age of they don't have to come back if they don't want to. And I think that maybe she had a discussion with your father that centered around the, well, he doesn't have to come back. And so if you want him back ever, you're going to have to let go of your anger over this thing. Well, yeah. And so, like I said, to to be clear, I mean, you get a little bit of sense of who he was and where he grew up. You know, he was... He was that kind of dad. This is the kind of dad that people, you know, uh, miss in these days. You know, Absolutely. the Cuddy Sark drinking, you know, T-shirt wearing, manly dads. Who worked on cars. Yeah, who worked on cars. He did go to a lot of sporting events, but he worked on cars and machinery and he worked at a concrete factory. And, uh, and he was well, very and, and manly. He knew things. But as manly as he is and, and having been to his work, you know, I got, whenever I went to work, he worked um, at a concrete plant and he was one of the few white guys that worked there. And so everybody wanted to see little Dennis. Even when little wow. Dennis was bigger than Dennis. But, you know, I know that it's it's much like where he was sailors. So these words were not unknown to him, but they were never spoken in my house. I mean, there was not n- nothing even remotely curse word-like spoken in my house ever. Sounds like a rule. Yes. So, so I, I don't know where, where we picked up that sort of language. It wasn't even a rule because it was like, 
Why would you make a rule about that? No one's ever going to do that. It was just that oh, the, unspeakable. No, the imperial fatherhood. Yes. No, and I think, let's be clear, my kids will occasionally come home and curse like sailors on leave, and I have to remind them, what kind of language is that? You're not at your mother's house. You're at my house, <laughs> and we don't do that here. Well, that, that was um, whenever my daughter would, would do that, I would be like, oh, it's just not ladylike. I know you know these words, and I know you speak these words, but I like to think of you as a little lady. Well, and, so we and, want you to be little ladies. Plus, before I was a history major, I was an English major, and so were you. And 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 so we uh, we think language is an important tool of life. And so using curse words isn't really, if it's not the best way to, to express yourself, and let me be clear, there are times where it is. Oh, you know, certainly. But uh, your children, who you've raised from... from uh, slimy newborn to however age they are now, you just don't want to hear it from them. It makes them sound too worldly. They sound like people who will very soon, if not already, live somewhere else, and you don't like that. But anyway, a week or so had passed. Yes, your return was negotiated. There was a, a transfer, uh, and to be clear... Uh, as I had picked you up, I just dropped you off. I was not gonna, yeah. I was not gonna continue my role as Switzerland and cement the deal, sign any sort of custody arrangement because at that point you'd been in my house long enough for somebody to claim you on my taxes. But, um, I let you out and said, well, if you die, perfect attendance is really out. <laughs> you know? you so missed that boat. You missed that boat. And, uh, and so, you know, I think the listeners of the Sajcast so far are on the edge of their seats. Wanting to know what happened when you got home. Yeah, and the answer is not a whole lot. I mean, you know, I opened the door quietly, and my father was sitting on the couch, in, you know, with right his next cutty to the sark. <laughs> and I, I kind of just tiptoed into my room, didn't close the door, because we know that fists can come through <laughs> when you close the door. And Doors. just <laughs> sat in there quietly, and... And much in the way of, of men of his generation, this was never spoken of. That's right. There are many, there are many bad events in my life that were never spoken of. And I don't remember, you know, when we went out, you know, to the movies next and got corn dogs and wore pally, but it, it took some time. And, and, and what's interesting is because my, my father being, you know, from the Boston area, he was, uh, he was of Irish stock and he had an Irishman's temper, uh, which at least as far as I'm concerned was a temper that was white hot. But burned fast. And so yes. most of the time, uh, when I did something wrong and I got my beating, 10 minutes later, you know, we were going to get a hamburger or, you know, at the mall well, shop. Well, because it was, it was transactional. It was, yes. You have transgressed. You have received your beating. Question asked and answered. You've paid your debt to society and now we can go back to normal. Right. Well, but I mean, even when he was mad about something, it was, it was generally quick. And this was, this was a, this was a German simmer. This was one we would have expected from my mother. <laughs> yeah. It, it took a while, but, um, yeah. Anyway, I, the, it's kind of a, an anticlimactic. Just, I got back home and life went on and I didn't talk to my dad much for a while, but. So, you know, I could have escalated things. There was no beating. Right. And, and, you know, once again, this, this lent me way more power than Switzerland should have, but. You know, at this point, if I had crafted some sort of bill on parchment for your lodging and your expenses and sent that over, <laughs> I think you would have got your beating. And in retrospect, I'm thinking, wow, what an opportunity I missed there to uh, remind everyone of the conflagration that had been so successfully avoided. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, so there endeth uh, the tale. Of your exile. Of my exile. From your own home. So it's time for reviews. Reviews of books and movies and things. And this week, 
We're reviewing a book, and as I have explained in previous Sajcasts, which you are all loyally listening to, every single one, um, we've been doing a lot of work on Twitter and Facebook, and we've been meeting a lot of people, and a lot of them are writers. And when you meet a writer who is engaging, um, when they when they put out interesting tweets and you have conversations with them, you you get a sense of of people pretty quick in 140 characters. And uh, so there are people that I've met where I go, wow, you're interesting. And I, I go and I, I uh, fact check them. I go and look at their, their, their biography and, and what they've published. And so this week we're talking about Maura Stone. And her website is maurastone.com. And, and all the information you could possibly want is there. She has published uh, several books and she has a blog. And I, um, after meeting her on Twitter, I went back and, and, and started reading her, uh, some of her work. And using the the best thing invented by Amazon, which is the try a sample, and so you can get a sample of any book on Amazon for free. It's usually a few pages or a chapter, or in some cases multiple chapters, so that you can try before you buy. And um, if it if it if it should pass that I actually buy the book, well, that says something. And uh, the book I want to talk about this week, and Morristone has several, but. This is a book called E-Women Are Lunatics. It's E-Dating Advice from the Bobomeister. And Bobomeister is a Yiddish term for... Well, like most Yiddish words, they mean lots of different things. But this is kind of a grandmotherly uh, busybody, a yenta, as it were. And so Maura Stone has written a series of books. Or she's working on book three of, of five, according to her plan, about E-Dating, dating online. And uh, you and I have both done that. Yes. And it's... um. I think it's a subject that doesn't get talked a lot about because I think even now there's some sort of secret shame about, you know, when you, when you go out somewhere with your girlfriend and people say, how did you meet? You're like, Oh, I, I pulled her out of a burning car. Or, <laughs> you know, I, I saved her from certain doom. Um, you know, I found her hiding under a car because she had been thrown out of her house for using a bad word. Whatever it was, you don't say, Oh, we met online, right? Although it would be a great Sajcast to do uh, our, our online dating stories and to have the women in there because I know, at least in my case, She's got a lot more interesting stories than I do. Oh, yes. And I think that one of the things about dating online is that the women have a much different and more complicated experience than the men. Yes. And and so what's good about these series of books is that it's a woman telling them. And so we're getting perspective that we didn't previously have. Like, women who are dating online often don't use their real names. They don't use the actual cities that they're from. Because the internet is still a, a zone of predators. Indeed. And so we, being men, we didn't have to worry about that. And Maura Stone, in this book, E-Women Are Lunatics, turns that on its ear because this is the book of advice for men on how to date online from their Yiddish Yenta grandmother. And what's funny about that is it, it, the theme that runs through the book is this Bubba Meister, who's a great character, is saying, her opener is, well, of course you should date online. You're such a catch. You'll be mobbed by women. And it's a good good thing they invented the internet and internet dating, whatever that may be, because it gives you the ability to meet lots of women at once, and because you're such a great mensch, you'll be you'll be very popular, you know. And um but there's also so the advice also runs to the kind of women to watch out for. And uh, again, you should go buy this book and read it because it's it's a fun read. Everything that Morristone writes is uh, I compare it to riding uh, a really good water slide. It's very fast. It's exhilarating. You get to the end and you say, "Well, I'm sad. That's over. I'm going to go back up and, and, okay. and have, okay. ha- have another go." Um, and and so good writing, in my opinion, at least one of the one of the elements of good writing, 
is that reading it is effortless. You don't know you're reading necessarily. Right. You are you are along for the ride and you're having a good time. And if somebody said, "What are you doing right now?" Your first answer would not be, "I'm reading a book." You you would almost say, "I'm listening to a really great story in my head." And that's that's that runs through her books and her blog, which is also an interesting read. Now, I will say that if you are recently uh, escaped from an Amish farm where you've been sheltered your entire life, or if you've been recently expelled from a nunnery, this is not the book you want to start with because there are some there are some grown up words. And in keeping with a uh, a minor theme of this Sajcast, there are some words for which we would have gotten beaten as children by our parents. But the the larger aspect of this book is it is good storytelling. The the structure of advice from a from a Yenta grandmother to her grandson who is such a catch and is now setting out to date online is is at times surprisingly hilarious. It's laugh out loud. Sometimes you'll read a little segment of something from this grandmother Bubba Meister and you just laugh out loud. Uh, so it's fun to read. And I will also drop another tidbit in case you're not persuaded to buy this book right this second. Um, there's a lot of fatal attraction uh, references. So at some point, the Bobo Meister will be talking about how you might come home and find a boiled bunny on your stove. Well, you have to know what that means. But uh, So it's a good book. It's called E-Women Are Lunatics, E-Dating Advice from the Bobo Meister by Maura Stone, available on Kindle. We'll put links to her website on there. You should check out not just her books, but also her blog, because that's funny stuff in real time. You can get on her blog and find out the funny thing that happened to her yesterday, uh, and also her biography, which is very interesting as well. So I will direct every listener uh, and everybody they know to the website morastone.com. Twitter handle? Is at morastone. Well, there you go. Yeah, because her tweets are also interesting. She has conversations with people, and you just you read along, and you're like, I need to know what the other party to this conversation said to get what this. What started that? Yeah, I mean, how did you get down to this answer? You know, like, my house fell down off of its foundation today, or I was winterizing my, my woodland cottage using halava and lint. Hmm. And that's interesting. That's provocative enough where you have to go back and say, wait a second. What are you talking about? This is one of these days where, and I'm not often thankful for Twitter, but it's on... <laughs> But it's on days like this where I actually feel a debt of gratitude toward Twitter for making people like Morris Stone and some of the other people that we've talked about on this Sajcast accessible to us yes. to where we can kind of meet them and get to know them and, and figure out that they are truly fascinating and witty people um, in case you're the type of person who thinks that the majority of people on the internet are slack-jawed losers. I got to say that... <laughs> the majority might be, but well, there's others. Even if that's true... We have met a lot of people on the Twitter and the Facebook who are not, who are a worthwhile uh, brightening of our day. And so, uh, once again, listeners, we encourage you to uh, share the joy. Yeah, I can, I can see uh, a Sajcast being sponsored by Twitter. That would be quite, quite a show. Well, I guess to be philosophical in a sense, aren't they all sponsored by Twitter? <laughs> in some ways. Or, yeah, so, somehow how that works. So while I while I roll through our, our dig through our, our bin of tapes here to try and find my favorite theme, a food porn theme, uh, apparently we didn't realize that coming to Studio Z this early in the morning uh, on a Friday is Fridays are muffler optional here <laughs> <laughs> outside of Studio Z, and many many giant trucks feel the need to pass by at this. Well, now, now this makes it sound, and because you're not just the host of the show, but you're also the sound engineer, this sounds like you're gearing up for some kind of cop out. <laughs> so that you don't have to do the tight 
and and uh, precise editing that our fans have come to know and love. So if it's your intention to use this Muffler Friday <laughs> as an excuse to not properly edit the Sajcast, I say shame on you, sir. Yeah, so, and editing mufflers out would be funny. I, 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 did you catch all that? <laughs> we get is this thing awesome on? Sounds. Yes. Anyway, cue food porn. I think you've mentioned that you're about to go on vacation. And, I am. And we have said for many weeks now that there's been a, a carbohydrate-free zone, or, or nearly so, around yes. our lives. But I'm imagining that you're going to put that aside, I'm hoping for your sake, on this cruise so that you'll come back with many, many stories for food porn. Well, one can hope. Uh, because cruises are advertised, or were advertised to me. And this could be that people who know me are trying to, to find an angle that I would say, <laughs> cruise, great idea. And really, they talk about the aspect where a cruise is pretty much 24-hour drinking and dining. It's a floating buffet. It's a floating buffet. And not only that, but it's a floating buffet in the middle of the ocean, which means, where else are you going to go? You can't say, oh, I wasn't hungry, or I went, you know, I went somewhere else. You're on the boat where all the food is. And so, I think this was the angle that was used to say, we should go on a cruise. Tonight I want Thai. No? No Thai? (laughs) No Thai? All right, maybe something else. So, I'm going on a cruise, and so I believe that the carbohydrate-free zone... Uh, since I'll be in international waters, can be suspended under 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 the dictates of maritime law. Uh, the carbohydrate the the no carbohydrate rule will be suspended. Excellent. But uh, but last week or up until now, we've still been uh, following that rule. And so um, this was I guess this was Saturday. It was a it was a saving Emily Saturday where we had been working on the book diligently, diligently, and uh, and we needed something to eat. And so, uh, again, there's not a lot of choices. We learned that our, that the, uh, the, the boy in Abraza was not open for lunch on Saturdays. And so we had to come up with another option. Well, we also learned that the meat sweats are not really a good work <laughs> environment if you're trying to write a novel about really anything. Unless it's meat sweat. <laughs> yes, which I'm not sure that's going to be in our repertoire. It might be a good seller. But, uh, yeah, anyway, we, um, we decided to get some chicken wings. And those of you who are avid listeners know that we've talked about chicken wings before, and we have a penchant for the chicken wing. We've eaten many, many a chicken wing over the years. And in our defense, we learned it early. Yes. I mean, we started at the Plastic Emporium, and then uh, we worked our way uh, through a, a number of others. And one of the things I was doing this week was I was in my my box of stuff, the uh, the important box that holds all of my life papers, you know, your the title to your car and all that. Something you do as the end of the fiscal year approaches. Perhaps. <laughs> um, although that wasn't the cause for it. Uh, but uh, anyway, I was in there and I came across a coupon, which sadly is expired, for a restaurant that is long, long gone. And uh, I'll put this up on the web, but I showed it to you in pre-production and it was from uh, Buffalo Wings and Curls. Yeah, from 1989. Well, the the coupon expired in 89, so oh, we right. had it, but it was probably a few months uh, before that. Uh, anyway, and this was, at least in my recollection, my favorite chicken wing place of all time, uh, but now that is gone. So yes. the Plastic Emporium maybe holds the title, although I've never been to Buffalo, New York. So one day we'll get to the, the actual source of chicken wings That's right. and eat them. But uh, that place, I remember, um, was it, it was fun. Um, because again, we we were scrimpers and savers. We didn't eat often, but when we did, we'd use coupons, obviously, as we saved yes. them. 
and uh, and we saved up our money for kind of a giant feast, so that we could you know get through a few days with fasting. Well, and nothing, and I mean, nothing makes you forget a fast quicker than a feast. That's why all the yes. religious, the religions of the world, their fasts are always followed by a feast um, to make you forget the pain of the previous day or whatever it was. Yeah, and so that was the first place that I mean, I really just. Uh, absolutely love their chicken wings and and I couldn't even tell you why at this point because it was so long ago but I do remember one of the things that was special about them was they gave us carrots oh yeah instead of just celery with the blue cheese right. and so we right. felt that this was even more healthy <laughs> because it had carrots that's right we had to feel um, virtuous but anyway um, yeah have a look at that uh, coupon and see just exactly what uh, what uh, you know under three bucks would get you in 89 um, mm-hmm. if you had a coupon so, and keep in mind that this is a chicken wing place in a college town. Yes. Their phone number, which I can I can say now on the air because no one uses it and I don't know what area code it was, was 222-BEER. <laughs> yes. Which would have been great if we'd had caller ID and they ever called us. Oh, it's 222-BEER calling. Yay. That means our wings are ready. <laughs> Let's go get them. So on this Saturday, um, we went for wings at Hooters. Now I know what you're going to think. So, yes, I know what they're going to yeah, think. Yeah, well, and this is much like the cruise. It's, you know... It's a floating buffet, and this thing is... Well, well that's true. It's, it's worth mentioning here in Cincinnati uh, or, or in the uh, area. There's a couple of Hooters, but the one that we went to was actually on the uh, the Kentucky side, and it is literally floating. It's, yes, um, it's on the, the barge. Right, and so I think that it would be almost stereotypical and crass for you to assume that because we went to Hooters, we were not just there for the chicken wings. But if you've been listening to food porn all along, you know that when I go into a restaurant, I don't really notice what's going on around me. I'm there for the food. And so, just in case you're thinking that much like the way I got sucked into the cruise was, hey, you're gonna go to, a, you're you're gonna be on a ship on the water. We're gonna visit foreign countries. No, it's good. There's there's food there, and you should go there. And so, Hooters wasn't about what you might think. It was about their chicken wings are pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of sad that, um, and I haven't been as thorough as I'd like to be, but there really aren't great chicken wings up here. No. Um, and so Hooters, which I consider to be decent chicken wings, are kind of the best, at least in terms of reliability. They're they're there. And and to your point, yes, there are there are women there. Uh, they wear you know tight shirts and they wear orange shorts. But to your point, most of the time that you and I have had chicken wings when we're working on this book, they've been here at, at Studio Z as takeout. So right. we go pick them up. Put and that in your back. pipe and smoke it. Yes, just so, I mean, and 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 be aware, fans, that our work ethic is really unimpeachable. I mean, we're talking about at least one of us had perfect attendance in high school <laughs> when there were plenty of other more fun things to be doing. And so, yes, we are the guys who, when we're working, we get takeout chicken wings from Hooters, which is a place that most men would rather sit for several hours and just look around. Yes. And, then, and there is a nice view there being on the water. <laughs> Indeed. Um, and it overlooks the stadium, I believe, or, or to a certain degree because we're on the, the yeah. far side. So there yeah. are a lot of sporting event people there and all that. But um, yes. we got there and... Uh, do you remember we, we were offered a table, oh, which that's I right. thought was kind of a, a karmic offering. Yes, after your experience in Alaska where you're two people, therefore you shall sit at a table with two chairs only, even if the restaurant is completely empty. <laughs> yes. So to juxtapose that, we went to a restaurant that was very nearly full, Yes. and they put us at a table for six or eight. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a, a big giant round table. Giant. You could have brought all your friends. Bachelor parties were the kind of things that are normally at this yes. table, and there was just the two of us. Yes. So we felt we, we we had better do our part and and order up some chicken wings and, and well you mean you say we we should do our part and eat like a party of six yes that's what I meant <laughs> okay just let's be clear and don't edit this out yes so anyway there there's pictures of the uh, of the mighty meal of wings that we had there 
Um, and, and it was good. I mean, we we had them, of course, naked. Right. And uh, and they were medium, much to my chagrin, because the favorite, my favorite way to go to a Hooters is to deliver the following line: I would like fifty chicken wings or however many, hot, wet, and naked. It's just fun to say. Medium, wet, and naked loses a little something. <laughs> well, and if you're talking to a twenty-something Hooters waitress, um, when you're delivering the salacious line, she says, "All right, buddy." <laughs> Don't get ambitious. You want medium. <laughs> oh, zing. oh, well, that's it's probably yeah. It's probably not the worst line she's heard that that week. That's but, probably true. Yeah. So anyway, we had our, our our fifty medium chicken wings and celery, celery, and a great deal of soda, probably. Yes, to th- wash it all down. Well, and to caffeinate us up for the attendant um, uh, metabolic crash, because after food, I generally tend to look for a nap. And, There's a torpor. Yes, and we were supposed to be. At a, on a creative knife point. And I think that maybe future writing Saturdays need to be more about the monastic deprivation of, uh, not so much food and maybe more caffeine so that we actually get the prose on the paper and get this thing done. Well, it's, a, it's an interesting argument to make, you know, is, is it that the, only the celibate can write about sex? You know, because this book is, well, it's got a zombie. I think we've mentioned that. We have mentioned that. But it's a food book at its heart. Because isn't every zombie book, or shouldn't, I say, no, they're not. But shouldn't every zombie book be a food book? You would think. Yes. There. So, anyway, I think it's, you know, we, we must we must live the part to some degree, as much as there was no carbohydrates involved. That's right. So, yeah, I mean, we enjoyed our chicken wings there. Um, I'm, I'm still looking forward to the possibility that somewhere around there's better chicken wings. I know there's a Quaker Steak and Lube. In the yes. area, and they're pretty good too. Uh, but somewhere there's got to be a guy who just makes them the old-fashioned way. Right. And, right. and I can say that some of the best places that we've been uh, for food, and and they'll come up in future food porn, have been the smaller operations. Yes, where there is a dedicated chef with skill and passion who is making really good food without the fanfare and hype. He's not right. seating. Oftentimes, just a cook. Just a cook. <laughs> right. He's not. He's not seating 200 people a night. This is a guy who might be passing you a sandwich out of a window. Yes. And it may be the best sandwich you've ever had. And in Cincinnati, and we can get into this in more detail in future Sajcasts, but Cincinnati is not an Epicurean center of the world. No. Really good food is hard to find around here, but I think that once the curse of carbohydrates uh, is is beyond us, uh, in order to do justice to food porn in the future, we should set about finding these places that are local to Cincinnati so that we can tell you all about them. Yeah, I mean, we do have a, we do have a food scene where there's good food, but it's not, I mean, we're just not New York or anything, you know. So there's there's a handful of them, and they're fun and they're good, and, and we'll set about trying to find more of them down the road. But but there you go, our story of chicken wings and hooters and Color what, <laughs> what Stacy noticed. That's right. Or didn't notice, as the case may be. I mean, we have to retitle it Oblivious Food Porn. <laughs> well, it is food that is the source of that porn. So there you are. There you are. So you've come to the end of uh, Sajcast number 11. Number 11, sponsored by Caller ID. Yep, makers of them again. How'd she get my number? And wait, who do I know in 816? I don't know about 816. <laughs>